somebody put this up here recently? This for me? Okay. Whatever Joel prepared, did it involve donuts? Whatever you prepared, did it involve donuts? No donuts? Well, that's pretty disappointing. <clears throat> I had one yesterday, though, so that's probably my, it's probably why I'm not feeling so good today. Aside from the fact that my wife has laryngitis. What? I, now, I just want to say I said that with a straight face. Would you repeat that, please? I don't know. I don't know. She's uh, around our house. We have uh, one of us is known as the Dead Sea and the other is the Babbling Brook. And you guys can probably figure out which is which without a whole lot of help. <clears throat> but she is... Uh, she is... Uh, very determined to not let laryngitis still the waters of the babbling book. She just keeps, she just keeps soldiering on and, and, and just, she's determined to continue to talk because she's afraid she's going to lose some of her skills or forget how to do it or something. So she just keeps at it and 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 keeps at it. I haven't kissed her for three days. I almost messed up and did last night, and I thought, you know what, i got to fill in for pastor today. I can't afford to get laryngitis, so I'm going to kiss her after service today. So don't anybody, just, just warning you. Praise the Lord. If you could stand with me and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. See that? That's what happens when you don't kiss your wife for three days. I'm getting the shakes. I got withdrawals. <clears throat> but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Brother Martinez, would you pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word today? Thank you, Lord. You can all be seated. Before I launch into this, I just I want <clears throat> to give my own little victory report. I really enjoyed the youth revival. Did anybody else? At least the two-thirds of it that I was here for. Our young people did a fabulous job. That was, it was awesome. And um, we caught a little bit of Friday night on the Facebook feed. It was a little choppy, so we didn't catch all of it. We were here for Saturday night. But I think Sunday night was the best. Sunday night, our young people 
and the music up here was top-notch, and the preaching was also just about as good as you were going to get on Sunday night. That, and I told, uh, I told Brother Jesse, I said, that was a conference-quality message, and I wasn't just buttering him up. That was the kind of stuff that our kids need to be hearing. That's the kind of preaching we need to hear at youth conference. There were so many good points that he made through there, and it, it wasn't just a bunch of let's all get everybody shouting and excited and then, you know, go out and get In-N-Out burgers and forget about all of it. It was the kind of thing that you could really take some time, and, you know, we listened to it again because there was a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good points, and there was a, um, there was a depth to what he was saying to that message. There really was. And I find that encouraging. I really do. That, you know, our young people, some of our young people, I don't know what, you know, the rest of the section and the district and, and the country is like, but um, our young people are getting deep into the Word of God. And for those of you that have never been to ALI or don't know that much about it, that stands for the Apostolic Leadership Institute. And it was, it was commenced to arm young people and give them what they needed to become leaders in their churches. And whether or not they ever become pastors or ministry or anything is beside the point. It's to give these people the foundation that they need to, to find their own place in God's kingdom. And Jesse is a product of that. That is exactly what ALI is shooting for. So if you want to know what it's like, that's the target right there. So... I just want to say hats off to our young people because that really was, that really was fantastic. And uh, Sister Christy was back there in the back the whole time, UK, and uh, I know she was a big part of that even though she's always behind the scenes. And now instead of being off to the side, she is all the way back in the back, which is probably where she likes to be. But uh, they just, they did a fabulous job. They really did, and I want, to give, uh, I want to give honor to them for that. Praise the Lord. But as it is written, Paul says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This is a scripture that I've been really pondering for several weeks now in a lot of what's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, which is for another time, but... I want to submit to you today that as human beings, and more specifically, not just human beings, but as created beings, all right? We need to look at ourselves as created beings. Our highest potential can only be found within the context of a personal, intimate relationship with our Creator, that's why I say we need, to, we need to think about the fact that we are created beings because that points to what? The creator. And if, that, if that's true, then our highest aim and our most rewarding endeavor in all of life is the calling and the pursuit to know and understand our creator. There is nothing, there's nothing greater that you can do than that. And... God is infinite, and if this be true, how many of you know that? Raise your hand if you know that God is infinite. Okay. If, if he is infinite, then does that mean that his word is infinite as well? 
That's a pretty potent thought there. That means every verse of Scripture that you read, there's an infinite depth to it, which is why uh, Real Readout says that there is more meaning to the text than you can understand at this time. Any text that you're reading, any verse that you're reading, any passage, anything that you're reading, there is more meaning to it at the time that you read it than you can understand because it's infinite. That's going to be true every time you look at it, no matter how much you get out of it, you're never going to get all the way to the bottom of it. That really is a striking thought. There is infinite depth, even to this verse. Could you put that back up there, Brother Joel? To that verse right there, there is infinite depth to that. You could read that every day for the rest of your life and never wring everything out of it that's in there. So, any way that we read this book, it's never going to cease to speak to us. It's never going to get old. It's never going to be irrelevant. And when I say any way that we read it, I mean whether you're reading it slowly and considering and measuring every word. And there is a time for that. There is a time for reading and measuring every word because that's what it says about itself, right? That every word of God is pure. And that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's in here. And you know what? It's not just the big fancy words. Little words like in and with and thee, like the blessing of the Lord. The word thee there points that verse in a very specific direction. It maketh rich. An even smaller word, it, that really gives you some definition to that verse. So there's a time to read every word, or whether you're just reading it through to kind of gain a bigger picture perspective, and there's a time for that as well. It really is. Or whether it's a time of pulling back from it and uh, closing your eyes and just meditating on what you've read. There's a time for that. There's a time to just be silent and meditate on God and his word and assimilate, you know, like the digestion process. You're, you're making that part of you. There is a time to do that, and you, we do all of it in order to gain the broadest perspective of what God is trying to tell us. All right? Is everybody still with me? I know you guys have all got luau on the mind, but just, uh, just bear with me for a few minutes. I do, too. My wife made bacon-wrapped pineapple. <laughs> that was in the oven when I left. So what do you think I was thinking of this morning? Praise the Lord. So uh, reading it this way, and, and we're talking about engaging our minds and opening our minds up to the greater and the deeper message that this book has for us, which is the big, big, big picture of who gave it to us. That's a big picture, wouldn't you say? I mean, big, big picture. How big? Infinitely big. So when I, say, uh, when I say big picture, I'm talking about something really that is far beyond our measure and beyond our abilities to reach up and grasp a hold of. Praise the Lord. A quote out of uh, the revelation of God from eternity to eternity is this. Christian, Christianity's primary claim that God was manifest in the flesh and offered proof of his person, identity, and plan 
demands that theology be, and theology is the study of God, be its highest academic priority and ultimate endeavor. Now, the first couple of times I read that, I didn't get everything out of it, but this, the subject matter here demands that it be our highest academic priority and our ultimate endeavor. It really does. That is absolutely true. So as we seek to study and learn and know of a being who is almighty, for whom nothing is too difficult, exactly how much of your abilities are going to be required in order for this almighty being to make himself known to you? How much of it depends on you? Not very much. He is almighty. He is transcendent. He is beyond our ability. He's beyond our reach. He's beyond our grasp. All right? And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not a rewarder of those who have the intellectual horsepower to dig deep into this book and try and search him out. It doesn't depend on us. And what is so marvelous about that is it puts every one of us at the same level. It's not about me. It's not about how smart I am, my IQ, my intellectual prowess, any of that. It's just about whether or not I want to know and understand him. Because he rewards those that diligently seek him. Job chapter 5. I just want to read a few scriptures that, that you know, should engage our minds in a thinking about how, how vast and incomprehensible he is and how it is that we reach him. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Doesn't that kind of get a hold of your imagination there? Great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Great things past finding out, wonders without number. These phrases are, are speaking from our point of view as we look upward at him, right? We got we to gotta recognize which point of view is being spoken to us here. So there is an undeniable fact of humanity, and that is humans want to be challenged. That's the reason why we have so much of what we have in this world, why we have the technology that we have. Because humans want to be challenged. And an example, um, this is a very simple example, but um, video games. I think everybody knows what those are. Now, when I was uh, a young lad, um, video games weren't a thing. I grew up in a world that was pre-video game, believe it or not. And I remember when I graduated from eighth grade, my grandparents took me and their youngest son, my uncle, who was only a year older than me, on a trip down the California coast, and we ended up in Pismo Beach and Morro Bay. And at one of those places, I discovered something that was a marvel of the universe. It was so captivating, so mesmerizing, I stood before it and beheld just slack-jawed and in awe-struck wonder. Pac-Man. <laughs> I'm standing there looking at this video game just going... What is this? This is, this, think about it. I mean, Pong had been invented. You know what Pong is? You know the paddles where you got black and white, 
two people, and then the pong, you know, it's like, you know, really cheesy video game ping pong, basically. This was a whole other level. I mean, you could actually interact here. You, you, you're this happy little yellow guy that goes around eating dots up, and there's these colorful creatures that go around trying to eat you up, and it was just simply marvelous. And the great thing about it was, was that, was that if, you could, if you could make it through the first level, the next one was just a little bit harder. They were all the same. I mean, we're talking about Pac-Man. This is first-generation video games. Nothing changed. Nothing about the screen changed from one level to the next. It just got harder and harder, and the allure was in the difficulty. And people would play that thing for hours trying to beat the game, right? And some of my friends, as the video games, you know, the, the scenes would change and they would get more difficult and then you were shooting for a high score, right, because there's that challenge. Uh, one of my friends got so good at one particular video game, he fed so many quarters into that dumb thing that eventually he, he outran the memory of it and got to a point to where it didn't get any harder. And he could just play it all day long on the same quarter, and it would never get any harder, and he would just beat every level. Now, how interested do you think he was in that thing once it didn't get any more difficult? Time to quit and move on to something else because we want to be challenged. As a species, we really need to be challenged. We demand it. And this is why people climb high mountains, and then when they've climbed that mountain, they want to go climb the higher one and then the higher one next to it and, and on and on. And it's why they build these marvelous specially made crafts to go down to the bottom of the sea. It's not just to get down there and see what's there. It's to do something that is really dangerous and difficult. And the same thing for going to outer space. I mean, why did anybody really need to go to the moon? Is it for the landscape? When they got there, it was flat and dusty. And it's like, yep, that's just what we thought it was going to look like. Even around the other side, you know, we never see the far side of the moon because it doesn't spin around. It just stays in the same position relative to the earth. When they got to the other side, you know what they discovered? It looked just like the side we've been staring at for thousands of years. So it wasn't the being there. It was the getting there. There was the big challenge, right? That's what it's all about. So it's, this is why, you know, people pursue one university degree after another. I've heard of people that, that would get a Ph.D. in one discipline, and then they'd go get a Ph.D. in another discipline, and then another still. It's because they hunger for knowledge, and it's the challenge of it. And, and sometimes they never even do anything with those. But uh, it's why we build greater and stronger microscopes so we can look deeper and deeper into things and discover more about what we're made of and why they build stronger telescopes so they can reach further and further out into space. And uh, we hunger for knowledge and conquest as a species. But the greatest pursuit in all of the world is, uh, and the most challenging by far, challenging than everything else that I've just mentioned, is the pursuit of knowing and understanding the Lord. It really is. You might not believe that, but it really is. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. I pull these up a lot. I refer to them. It's a scripture that ought to shout to us. Thus saith the Lord, let not... Jesse, would you read that for me? Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let 
That kind of says it all. There's, there's simply no human accomplishment that, that will ever exceed having a personal, intimate knowledge with your creator. Maybe you don't believe that. Maybe the weight of that um, hasn't occurred to you yet. But if you'll give that a chance, it will. There's nothing like seeking God. There's nothing like knowing a little bit about him and, and a little of him so that you can know more. It's, it's insatiable. It really is. And uh, people out there are pursuing greater and greater advancements in genetic engineering and IT. And some of these advancements are actually quite disturbing. And those are the words of the people who are pioneering these things. Some of them, they're afraid of where they will leave, but they can't stop because it's a drive inside of them. A drive that would better serve them if they aimed it at their creator. Praise the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work of God, the work that God maketh from the beginning to end. No man can find out. We read passage after passage after passage that tell us that this isn't about our efforts. It's not about us getting there. We have to depend on him. But that phrase there, uh, he has set the world in their heart, is a peculiar phrase. And uh, another one of the modern versions says, he has set eternity in their heart. He has set eternity in their heart. Do you know you've got a little piece of eternity inside of you? Something inside of you that gives you the ability to relate to God. And because you have that ability in you, nothing else will ever satiate that. Nothing will ever take its place. There's no accomplishment. There's no place you could go or no thing that you could do that will ever satiate that. And that last sentence that God makes uh, from the beginning to the end, another version says, he puts questions in our minds about the past and the future. We have questions, don't we? We want to know where we came from. We, want, we look around and we want to know how this whole thing got started. And that's a good question. Who did all this? And equally importantly, why? That is a critical piece of information to understand. Why did God create us in the first place? And we need to know that because that'll tell us what his purpose was. And if we know what his purpose was, then that tells us what our purpose is. Praise the Lord. The theory of evolution and the Big Bang Theory seek to answer the questions that all of humanity has, but it does so in a way that displaces God from the equation, doesn't it? And poorly so, by the way. But all of humanity for all time has had these questions, and it's one of the reasons that the Bible is the most read and studied book of all time. There's, there's never been any other book or two or three or four or five books combined that come close to uh, the scriptures. So what do uh, the evolutionists and the big bangers say of the Bible? What, what, what stands at odds with their theories? Well, they make the claim that it's a work of fiction, don't they? This is just something that somebody invented. Now, if you've ever dug deeply into the word of God, you'll know how 
ridiculous that idea is. Beyond ridiculous. It's almost pitiable how silly that is. The more that I read and study this word and the closer I study it, the more ridiculous and silly and absurd and laughable and literally incredible the idea is that this could have originated in the minds of human beings. And it's probably the grossest display of ignorance that somebody can, can utter. They're telling you, when they say that this is a work of fiction, they're literally telling you, I don't know enough about it to really be an authority on the matter. I haven't read it closely enough to say. Because if they had, they would dig into it and go, oh, wow. This didn't come from any ordinary being. So uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 17 says, then I beheld all the work of God that a man cannot find out, the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. We can't come to know and understand the Lord by our own efforts alone. But there's something about us. There's something about our creator that we must seek to try and find him. Man is always looking higher always looking beyond, and you can look no higher than him. Mankind's very highest thoughts are those of the creator. That's worth saying again. Mankind's, the, the very highest thoughts of mankind are those of the creator. You can't go any higher in your mind than that. Our highest Pursuit is the pursuit to know and understand him. There is no higher pursuit and certainly none with a greater reward. Anybody say amen? amen. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The, this kind of phraseology here is mentioned Dozens and dozens of times all throughout Scripture, and I think God is challenging us. Aren't you a little bit challenged when you see that? His judgments are unsearchable. Doesn't that make you go, all right, wait a minute. What did he say that for? Doesn't that put a little burr in your saddle? Well, that makes me want to search. That makes me want to get there. If they're, if they're so far beyond me, then how do I get there? Why did he say that in the first place? He's challenging us. He wants us to go there. He wants to be known. He doesn't want to be a secret. Isaiah 40 and verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. That makes me want to look. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And that's a very important distinction. We need to understand he doesn't think like we do. He doesn't, his mind doesn't operate like ours does. Okay? Verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Doesn't that just get you thinking? How much higher are the heavens than the earth anyway? 
That's the first question to answer. How much higher are they, Jonathan? That's the right answer. We don't know. That's what we say. That's what the human mind says when we get to infinity. We don't know. We can't go there. His thoughts are that much higher than ours, infinitely so. But he wants us to know. His, his thoughts are bigger and broader and higher and more thorough and more encompassing than ours are. And he thinks so much bigger than we do. And his calculations are so much more thorough than ours, infinitely so. And so is there, let me ask you this, if that be true, is there anything about you that he doesn't know? Anything at all? Even just a little bit, Sister Katrina? Just a tiny little bit? Psalm 139. The whole chapter is worth reading in that context, but we'll just read a few verses. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. He knows everything there is to know about you. And then the psalmist said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. I love the way he says that. So we cannot discover the knowledge of God, but he can reveal it to us, and he wants to. And we ought to correspond to that. Praise the Lord. We can't reach up and pull him down, but he can condescend to our lowest state and make himself known. So even if we don't have the capacity or the faculties to discover uh, the things of God due to our limitations, what happens to our minds and our limitations when he reaches down to us and begins to reveal himself to us? What happens to us when God begins to reveal himself to us? What happens to your mind when God begins to reveal his infinite self to your finite mind? You ever thought about that? What does that do to a person? What does that do to a mind? I'll tell you what it does. It expands it. It expands your mind. There, our, our, our minds are they're kind of like balloons. If you were to hold a, a little balloon up to somebody that's empty, you know, one about the size of your thumb, who's never seen one before, and you were to tell them, this can hold about a gallon of water or by volume a gallon of air, they would look at that and go, not possible, right? But what happens as you begin to fill it, it's forced open. And that's how it works with our minds. When the knowledge of God, when God begins to reveal himself to us, our mind just begins to expand. It forces it open. It increases your capacity. The more you study the word of God, the more your capacity to study is increased. Isn't that cool? That's how this thing works. And it's said that as an adult, you can exercise your brain and keep it nimble and sharp by learning a new language. Anybody ever heard that? It's like exercise for the mind. Okay? And uh, 
It's a workout. It challenges your mind and it taxes it and it works in such a way that helps improve your thinking skills and your memory capacity. Well, guess what? God is a language that we don't speak. So the more that you study him and the more you reach for him and the more you learn about him, the more it exercises your mind and expands it. Praise the Lord. And the only way to learn this language, though, is through his perfect translation into our language, which is Jesus Christ. He translated, he condescended to us to that degree. He translated himself into our language so that we could know and relate to him. And that's a great subject for another time. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider the heavens, anybody ever do that? Does anybody ever consider the heavens? Just think about them. The work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? And yet he did visit us. And as you look outward toward the sky and beyond that and you consider the heavens, you should consider that his thoughts are increasingly more and more vast and more deep than then you can go in space. We can't fully, we don't have the ability as finite beings to grasp the infinite, but there is in something inside of us that causes us to want to, to reach for it. Praise God. So back to our opening text, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And there's, there's a little quirk I know many of you know to this particular verse, and that is uh, the word things there is not in the original text. Okay? So people read that and they think, well, the things like heaven, these great marvelous things, and uh, like is mentioned in Revelation 21 and 22, but that's not what this verse is saying. Things is not in there. The King James translators had a thing for things. And they put it in there in a lot of places, and this is one of those times. What that actually says in the original text is, I has not seen nor ear heard. In fact, it hasn't even entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for them that love him. That narrows it down to one thing, not things. And not, that begs the question automatically, you want to know, well, what's that thing then? If it's only one thing... What is that thing? So what has he prepared? Let's go to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was a just and devout, was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's pretty cool. Then, uh, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared for the face of all people. Same word, prepared. That's what he prepared. 
He prepared for himself a body, which is what Hebrews 10.5 says. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou would not, but a body thou hast prepared me. So that is what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 is talking about. That is what he prepared for us. Talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God becoming man. I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has this even entered into the heart of man. That God would become a man, that he would condescend to that estate and become a man to relate to us. And when you really start to think about that, it's easy to take that for granted, folks, because we're on the other side of it. All right, we know the history, and you could, you could kind of say that, you know, this is old hat. But when, when you really stop and engage your mind and begin to meditate and contemplate this, that God, the transcendent, almighty God that created everything, became a man. And listen, this is critical information. This is absolutely critical information. In fact, it's the information on which the church that Jesus Christ is building is founded on. He told Peter that I am going to build my church upon the revelation of my deity and humanity. This is critical stuff. But really, that God could become a man? Come on now. Think about it from, from somebody in the Old Testament point of view. Like Solomon. Second Chronicles 6.16. I love this. He says, Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel. Yet so that thy children take heed in their way to walk in my law as thou hast walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. So that was one thing that he had spoken, that your kids are going to sit on the throne. But there was another thing that he said to David, and that's what Solomon is talking about here. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? This is Solomon talking, and this is blowing his mind. Behold, the heaven, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. He still can't get his mind wrapped around this. And he's referring to Psalm 132, 11 and 12, which says, The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. And he's not telling them, I'm going to take your kids and sit them on the throne. He's literally saying, out of the fruit of your body will I come down and sit on your throne. That's precisely what he's saying. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them... Their children shall, what? Also. So he's talking about two different things here. Also, a very important little word there. Shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. And this is what Peter in Acts chapter 2 is referring back to. This verse right here in verse 30, he says, Therefore, he's talking about David preaching to a bunch of Jews, trying to explain to them what's going on. 
He says, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Okay, so that explains in perfect clarity what he's talking about. But even David and Solomon just marveled at this because it is a marvel. This is one of the most marvelous things in all of creation. If this doesn't blow your mind, you haven't thought about it enough, that God would become a man just like us and walk this earth. I mean, that ought to blow your mind. If it's not, you need to spend more time thinking about it. Praise the Lord. I'm getting ready to wrap up here. The, you know, the more I think about this, the less settled it becomes in my mind. It just keeps stirring and stirring and stirring and getting more and more and more invigorating. It just, it's mind-blowing. Praise God. So if, if Jesus Christ, as some uh, would say, was really just another man, just a created being like any other uh, who was chosen and singled out and anointed to be the Messiah and sent off to die on a cross to save the world, that story might plausibly be contrived in the mind of men. I could buy that. You know, like calling and anointing a great prophet like Isaiah or a great apostle like Paul. But that God himself would become a man. This, this is mind-expanding understanding here when you really meditate on it and think about it. Praise God. It's really beyond. I mean, it's, it's beyond. It's beyond us, us and our minds and our thinking, and it has very literally not entered into the heart of man. It's beyond. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, But God hath revealed them. That word them is not in the original text. Just like things wasn't. Remember that? We're not talking about things. We're talking about that which God has prepared. That verse says, but God has revealed unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. That things is not there either. It says the spirit searcheth all. Yea, the deep things of God. Guess what? That last things is not there either in the original text. What it says is, the Spirit searcheth all, yea, the depth of God. Folks, there is a depth to this revelation, and you need to go deeper and deeper and deeper into it. You'll never get to the bottom of these verses. You'll never get to the bottom of this revelation, but there needs to be something inside of us that wants to go there. Just keep swimming deeper and deeper and deeper into it and just let it resonate in your mind and let it expand your thinking. If it's not blowing your mind now, the more that you think about it, the more you let this revelation strike in your spirit, the more it will expand your ability to understand it because this is mind-blowing stuff here and God wants us to know it. Of all of the things He wants us to know about Himself, this is one of the most profound and most important and most mind-expanding. I'm going to go ahead and stop right here. Can we just stand? And can we take a little bit of time right now? Each one of us, with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
can we just take a little bit of time right now and open your spirit up to him and open your mind up to him and ask him to take you just a little bit deeper today. Right now, take you a little bit deeper into this marvelous revelation that God would become a man to do the work that only the Creator could do in the first place. Nobody else was qualified to do the redemptive work of Calvary, but the Creator Himself, only the Creator. Just open your, make yourself a little bit vulnerable right now to this message. I don't care how long you've been studying this, how long you've been seeking this, you haven't got to the bottom of it. So just go a little bit deeper right now. And as you go your way this week, just spend a little bit of time every day thinking about this and diving a little bit deeper because this is mind-altering stuff here. People are out there doing all kinds of mind-altering stuff last night and, you know, trying to get to the next experience. Well, this right here is the most mind-altering thing you can ingest, you can take into yourself. Praise the Lord.
praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of praise, Jesus. You are worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm sorry I missed the beginning of the message, Brother McAtee, but I'm going to go back and listen. Amen. You guys can be seated. I have just a couple announcements. So the answer that everyone wants to know is, yes, they accepted the offer. So, this week we have a lot of, a lot of things that have to happen, um, so we have to um, basically have one more Grange meeting, one final Grange meeting, that'll be next Sunday, that gives them some time to get all the paperwork together, cross T's, dot I's, and then... Um, uh, we will, I already contacted uh, Carrie Byers. She lives right across the street. She's an escrow officer with Fidelity. And um, so she's happy to work with us. She's a neighbor here. So, And then I've already contacted a real estate agent to maybe help in drawing up a contract because that's what she said, you know, to have, it would be helpful to have a nice contract. And real estate agents kind of know what we need, so I don't. I don't know all that stuff. So that's what we have to take care of this week. And um, so next Sunday, here's the deal. Uh, Grange meeting, there'll be some votes. And then when we do go into escrow, what happens there is the board members will be signing on the document. So that's going to take place. So I don't know the details on all of that yet. But um, so we'll let Carrie, uh, the neighbor here, uh, let us know when we have to come in and sign. But as of right now, we have one week to try to get, they have one week to get everything in order. I've already made the phone calls on our end. And so that's great news. <laughs> Amen. We walked into the meeting. Amen. <laughs> We walked into the meeting, sat down, and, you know, they were talking about some various things. And when they got to this part of the meeting, they said, okay, here's the deal. Let's vote. And, or somebody said, I move that we sell it. And then there was a second. And um, all in favor say aye. Any negative. And there was one guy that was not for it. The same guy that we always thought, you know. But um, so the majority had it, so um, that's the story. A couple other things. I don't know what was announced earlier, but um, the, we have um, Chauncey, who is locked up, Sister Katrina's daughter. We have Danielle's husband, Michael Sibo. Vivek, who's going to probably be getting out next month, it looks like. So, um, what's that? And Bruno <laughs> in Mexico. Is he getting out? Okay. All right. So, 
Uh, I wanted to say, if anybody would like to help um, put any money on their books, um, you, feel free to just put it in the offering and just mark um, towards their books. Um, anytime that there's a visitation, a video visit, or a phone call, or any extra things that they need, um, it costs. And as Sister Katrina's been putting on her daughter's books, and Danielle tries to, she puts on her husband's book, but uh, she's not able to put all the time on V's books. But hopefully he's getting out next month. So um, anyways, uh, if anyone's interested in that, that was that one announcement. And any other announcements? Did I miss anything? I can't think of anything. What's that? Anything? Um, all right. Luau. That's the next announcement? All right. All right, Sister Kathy. It's good to see everyone today. Good to see Sister Montez. Good to see. Uh, <laughs> um, good to see um, all the all my friends from Pollock Pines. Yeah. 